Driving to work is always a beatdown for me. Even after I type my destination into Waze, it's still such a grind. And I know exactly where I'm going. I couldn't imagine the frustrations of trying to get to work and Waze give me like a 20 mile radius guesstimate of where it thinks I should be. Well, that's what it's like for many of our oilfield family who have to get to the well site location by navigating unnamed lease roads that are often not even on any civilian map apps. Most oilfield workers say that they lose a minimum minimum of 20 minutes a day lost on lease roads, if not hours. Well, 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 I got some game-changing news right here, so everybody listen up. Wellsite Navigator is introducing the new technology that you've been asking for, lease road navigation. They've already mapped over 19,000 miles of oil field lease roads that don't appear anywhere else, and every week they're adding more. Wellsite Navigator is the most trusted, is the most downloaded oil field mobile app of all time. Founded almost 10 years ago as the first navigation app for the oil field, they've helped more than 100,000 oil field hands find millions of well sites in 22 states, quickly, safely, and reliably. Most of their users come from word of mouth, so hey, help spread the word. They're giving all Energy Crew listeners their first month free when you click the link in the show notes. Plus, when you fur a friend, they get their first month free and you get a $10 Amazon card. So follow the link in the show notes to get started. Check them out. Make your life easier. and Don't get lost. And everybody, welcome to another Energy uh, Crew podcast. It's a special uh, podcast. It's a home session, but it's not a standard home session that uh, they're recording this in. We're actually filming this at uh, one of my good buddy Richard Mercer's uh den study sitting area in his uh, beautiful home in uh, Katy invited me over on my way out of town and I thought why not let's just do a little, uh, do a little podcast have some of your delicious coffee we're gonna get into that in a little bit and uh and film it. you got a great yeah, I'm actually just might pick this up man I don't know I don't I, I don't know I, I'm just whatever works JP. you can do whatever you like I'm just going I'm just I'm just going right now it might it might be like this like a okay it's like a North Korean uh uh reporter right now with this <laughs> this setup right now, which I dig. But anyway, um, I want to thank everyone for tuning into Energy Crew uh, Podcast and wherever you are. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I've, I've always asked to like and leave a review and uh, apparently it helps people find the show. So if you could do that, that'll be great. I'd appreciate that. And uh, Richard, thanks for having me over today, man. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, JP. It's been a long time since we caught up. It has been a long time. And Richard, Richard and I met when he was at his previous company, Oxy. I think you were in, uh, well, where's the first position you started off? I was drilling for the first. Uh, Bring it up a little bit. Bring probably, probably six years. Okay, I so was, I, I met you in drilling. Yeah, I was definitely drilling because uh, I do remember. I mean, that's kind of where the overlap occurred. That, that's what, that's what made the most sense is that you know you were at Penergy at the time. Yep. And uh, I found that the service that that you and and similar companies offered were uh, actually beneficial to the operation we had ongoing. So that was actually a, an initiative of mine was to try to get that. Sputter rig program going, just kind of one of the many projects. Oh yeah, at the time. So yeah, if you remember back, that was that was a couple that was a couple five, chapters ago, five years ago or so. A couple of chapters ago, in both yeah. of our lives. Yeah. Since then, uh, since then, you've gone on. You become an adult. You've had a family, yeah. uh, two beautiful boys, right. two puppies, um, and I see your boy kicking uh, waffles all over the kitchen this morning, which I dig. Yeah, I respect very that very much. Uh, kind of a, a living, breathing uh, thing here in the house. It's it's always. Never really know what's going on. And then, you know, especially through the last year and a half or so of, of COVID and having to having to conduct business from the house and school from the house and all yeah, these things with, has, been, has been tough. With but, some new ones. How old are they? So uh, Dylan, my oldest, is almost two and a half. Yeah. And then our youngest, Ryan, is uh, about to turn eight months. So that's going to be pretty, I mean, that's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, first off, not, not, not even, not even COVID of, you know, raising two kids at the house, but 
you were in the process of actually getting your MBA at Rice. So you were actually in the process of, you actually weren't in the process. I, I, I kind of want to talk to you about this, about transitioning from uh, an EMP uh, to the, to, to be a finance bro. I want to talk about that a little bit, <clears throat> um, but let's, let's get the first off. I'm really impressed with your house. Okay. I don't understand how you obviously a little bit younger than me um, has your shit together. Uh, you, you are definitely killing the adulting side better. It's like, you're looking at this and if you're glancing by, it might look, we're filming this in like restoration hardware uh, catalog. We're not, this is actually his house. So hats off to you and, and your wife. I, for, I, yeah, uh, I can't for, take any of that, uh, any, any of that compliment. Though I appreciate it. Uh, my wife is solely to do, uh, to, I don't want to say to blame, but well, it looks it's totally like, her doing uh, any and everything that's around the house. I've just, uh, I usually nag and complain that I see new boxes coming at the door, but then she ends up putting things out and styling throwing, it. And I, throwing it together. <clears throat> yeah, throwing it together. The first compliment hits from someone that comes over. I'm like, okay, that was worth it. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like you have your shit together. I'm impressed by Appreciate that. Appreciate it. So I dig it. Yeah. So let's talk about the coffee. You let's let's break this off. Look, we're fil- we're recording this Tuesday morning. I just dropped off Edwin at school. About to head to San Antonio. Uh, Connection Crew is hosting their uh, first dinner, uh, sponsored by Arc Energy uh, tonight. Actually, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's been going. Thanks, Milestone. buddy. A little cheers, a little coffee yeah, yeah, cheers. cheers. Yeah, so doing that, and uh, so we're uh, doing that this morning. So what? We're having a cup of coffee right now. And Richard, something about you that I always dig is you appreciate a good cup of coffee. Talk to me about this. So I made a point to, uh, I think it's funny we're talking about this. I, I, made I a think point, it's a great thing to talk about. I made a point to buy, I mean, I've always been addicted to coffee. It's, it's in my blood. I think literally, I quite literally from, you know, our roots in South America, but what, what uh, are you, what are your roots? Uh, my parents are both Colombian. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a little bit of coffee coming from that way. Um, but anyway, I got real heavy into, into coffee after, after college and, not not specifically for uh, purposes of of having the energy to, you know, from the caffeine. It's just something I I just enjoy a hot drink all the time. I drink decaf all the time as well. You're but, de- you're a decafer. I'm never yeah, a decafer. I, I typically don't anymore since I switched machines. Um, but back to your original question, um, at the beginning of the NBA, I was like, okay, I need to get something to kind of help me stick it through, and and uh, bought myself a nice espresso machine that has paid itself off many 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 times over just because i've been running you know so many shots through it but um, so it's so it's worth it a good coffee machine something that you enjoy me, is i mean worth you know it. everyone's got their thing and to me something that's really important is coffee so i'm gonna extend myself a little further on that and, i dig uh, that and you know I, i've always enjoyed it um, but it's also like treating yourself a little bit you know what i mean you're about to start the program you're like okay i, I kind of want to do something special for myself <laughs> i i think that's important though just to do things kind of uh, treat yourself a little bit so every you know every, everyone's different I am, I skew much more on the, on the side of spending the money and, and enjoying what, you know, I, I guess the best way to put it would be setting small milestones ahead of myself. So if I'm going to, if I accomplish something, even if it's not that big, if I know that there's a carrot at the end of it, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and try for it versus some big, you know, long elapsed type goal. Is that how you always kind of, uh, you, you, you run through life. It's like you, you set little milestones and you, and you, and the rewards there. For and then you. try to celebrate them always. I mean, I, I don't care what it is. Like I, I just recently finished my, my FINRA series exams for, for to work in banking and okay. securities. And what was your you reward know, for that? Finish a big, finish a big exam. And to me, the reward is, is, uh, you know, cooking a nice dinner, open a nice bottle of wine, even something that small and simple. It's treating yourself. It's still, it's still a reward. Right? You still so, CV, right? Uh, 
we can get on that, but I've actually, uh, oh, I've, well, I, yes, yes to the sous vide. Uh, I'm searing a different way now. How, okay. So for, okay. maybe we need to rewind a little. Let's talk, sure let's, I thought, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Richard and I, we enjoy talking about coffee. We enjoy talking about sous vides and, uh, kind of the fun of things in life, treating yourself. You know what I mean? Cause you can have a very nice meal. You know, uh, it's better than pretty much a steak, better than a steakhouse, you know what I mean? At right. the house. And right. so what we've done historically is sous vide, a steak, right? For, was it three, what do you set that at? I can't remember right now, but it's for, but it's for about an hour, hour and a half, right? And right. then when, when I sear it, I usually take it over cast iron, drop some butter and drop some thyme, sear it, sear it. A little basting do, action. Base it like, uh, <clears throat> like the dude from Hell's Kitchen, uh, Gordon, Gordon Ramsay, I do it like that. Um, and then I just slice it and serve it. So what is your new uh, strategy? So, uh, we recently, you know, we, we redid our, our backyard outdoor kitchen area. And then we did, we, something that I really wanted was a uh, pizza oven. So we got a pizza oven. Okay. And anyone who's seen how you cook Neapolitan pizzas, I mean, you get that thing ripping hot to right. nearly a thousand degrees, uh, Fahrenheit, 950 degrees Fahrenheit. That's close to it. So, <clears throat> So I started doing is I actually bought a little cast iron, you know, skillet, like okay. a different size, but a little cast iron skillet. And, uh, I'll just sit that in the pizza oven for, you know, give it 30 minutes or so before I go. And when I put that steak in, for example, I did it. Oh, so you'll just heat up the cast iron without anything in it. Right. Oh, preheat it. Okay. <clears throat> then I'll throw like, I, I guess the latest one we did out there was a, uh, bone and ribeye, right? Like a tomahawk. Steak. Right. And, um, I mean, it, it literally, it'll self-ignite just from the heat, like when you put that fat down to sear it. Um, but I, I can't find a better way to sear that's it. That's the way to go now. For me, that that's as good as I could do because couldn't get my cast iron hot enough. My grill would get to like 700 or so. Um, I think when you're in that 900 to 1,000 range, that's when- the magic, That's a sweet spot. That's when the magic really happens. And I I, I think I've yet to find a stick that- Well, dude, we gotta try that. that one. Yeah, we'll try it I gotta, I gotta come out, we gotta try that. Yeah, I'll show you some pictures. It's pretty good stuff. I dig that. Yeah. So, okay, so let's back, let's back this up. So why don't you give us a quick elevator spiel on kind of a, your background and all that stuff and, you know, getting into the oil field and kind of where you went to school and did all that fun all that. stuff. And then let's get into kind of your current, your current life. Cause I'm interested in that, man. Cause when we last hung out, it was the day, it was before you got the reservoir at Oxy. No, well. Yeah, no, we had, we had, had coffee. I mean, yeah, we've had yeah. little, little things here. I'm talking about like actually hanging out. So, yeah. so give us a little background real quick, and let's kind of pop into kind of what you've been doing today. <clears throat> so, I'll try to I'll try to breeze through this pretty quickly. So, I started uh, in 2008 at uh, Texas A&M. Okay. Uh, didn't start in petroleum engineering, but I knew that's where I really wanted to go. So, it took me a little time to get there. Finally, well, how did you know you wanted to go to petroleum engineering? Uh, or are you first, uh, no, are you yeah, first generation? No, that's it. Yeah, definitely first gener generation, but, uh, kind of, a, kind of a fun, maybe shallow story, but I, so my high school job was working in Magnolia home theater, which is the high-end home theater, uh, little section of a Best Buy store. Okay. Most of the high-end Best Buy stores have one. So I worked at the one here in Katy and I loved it because I was, you know, in high school, I'd be wearing a tie to work and I, I just felt like you know, a million bucks. Like I, I just loved going to work and all my clients, you know, I'd call them clients, not customers. Yeah. Um, there were big spenders, right? Like we'd be selling 10, 15, $20,000 tickets on these home theater systems pretty regularly. And then being in Katy, obviously, uh, you know, proximal to Houston and oil and gas and, and everything. Um, all my clients were 
for oil and gas. You know, I would ask everyone because to get and you know more than anyone to get a sale, you got to meet the people and understand. You got to get to know them a little yeah, you bit. Them, hey, right? What do you so, do? Has it been a tough week? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you know they're coming off of work and we're talking about oh well, what do you do for work and all this kind of stuff. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, they're in oil and gas. Okay. And then I knew just from being exposed to all that nice stuff that I'm like, oh, well, I want to afford this stuff one day. What's around me? I mean, what, what's everyone doing here? It's oil and gas. So literally that was the only thing I started doing a little research. I found that it was one of the better paying, uh, you act like, degrees the, you act like you're the first person on the podcast to say that that's literally, I feel like <clears> 70% of people's motivation. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So that was, uh, that was it. That was really the only reason. So were you a good, a good student in high school? No, uh, I was in the right classes, okay. but I wasn't doing very well in terms of my grades. Okay. I didn't do well. So I did well enough. I well enough to get into A&M, which I didn't. I mean, back, I mean, back then, I mean, it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot more difficult these days. I feel like I, I can't imagine not just getting to school, but even getting a job nowadays, <sighs> I could not imagine. Cause I've done not, not with uh, my new employer yet, but, um, with Oxy spent some time going back to the schools and recruiting and it is just cutthroat how, how intelligent these kids are and how, how bulletproof these resumes have to be. I mean, in terms of their GPAs, so, so it's their not so. Levels, it, I did not have all that. So long gone is the uh, the way it was back in 2008, 2010, 2012, where it's like, yeah, uh, I did an internship here, I did this, <clears throat> just give me a shot. Now it's like now yeah. people are like dialed in. I mean, our graduating class had probably ninety five percent or more, uh, you know, hired like full time jobs. Yeah, um, the people who who maybe didn't have jobs or just holding out because maybe they didn't want to go to a service company or something like that. But everyone who wanted the job had a job. So there's a very different time compared to, you know, now things might be looking a little better, but the majority of the last, I'd say, I don't know, eight, nine years has been pretty dismal from a recruiting standpoint in oil and gas, at least for, you know, college age. But kids. yet there's still such a demand. There's still such a, the classes are large for petroleum engineering. What, is, is, is it cyclical? Is it one of those things like every four years it kind of gets a shot in the arm whatever? Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that. I would just say that there's been so much hesitation or, or trepidation from students to, I don't want to say pigeonhole themselves, but you're, you're, it's a pretty niche role or pretty niche type of engineering where if you go study mechanical, if oil crashes again, you know, I, I can only imagine the kids who are graduating 2020, I, I imagine the majority of them got their jobs rescinded. Yeah, I, I've spoken to a couple. Either they, either the, number one, there were no jobs out there. Right. And number two, they, they were uh, rescinded. Or the third part is like they started kind of going on the um, uh, service side, you know, and yeah. more. And, not, and not, there's a couple that went to like, you know, like Liberty and a couple of people that went over there. But like there's a couple also that went to like uh, software. Uh, startups, oh, yeah. you know what I mean, which, which I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I've seen. Um, for example, it was not a startup, but Dean Murphy over at Combo Curve. I mean, he's crushing it. You know Combo what I mean? Curve, yeah, Combo I'm Curve is uh, they they've taken the they're crushing it. Like they're yeah, I, you hear about them a lot. Yeah, there's actually uh, that's fun. We were actually talking about them yesterday. No, that's, Seriously, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, not we, not not, not, not him not and, I, you and I, yeah. but a different conversation. I'm assuming you have. Right. Very jealous of that conversation. So anyway, so uh, so you. you it's 2000. When did you graduate? 2012. Graduated from AM. My ring says 12. I graduated in 13. Yeah, mine says 02. Graduated 03. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, so, yeah. So, graduated there in 13. Spent probably, I don't know, the better part of six years in, in drilling. Uh, through the ups and downs, there were some different phases. So, I spent, you know, a number of different uh, sessions out in the field. I spent one, one group of, 
I don't know, maybe six months was, was working nights as a company man and then came back to the office for a while. We dropped more rigs, then went back out to the field, then this time working days. Do you like that? Did you, did you like going out there and working in the field? Nights, not so much. Days, I loved it. Okay. Days, I loved it because it was like you, the buck basically stops at you, right? Right. Uh, which for a 20, what, three or four year old is, is pretty nerve wracking uh, considering the scale of the operation going on. You know what I mean? Did, uh, did you even fathom that, I guess, back then? Or was you like, no, I'm just going to just... was a, a phenomenal place with people who trust you. Uh, and, you know, you have to earn it, of course. But right. there were people who I worked with at the time who who gave me, you know, we didn't have many rigs running at the time. But uh, to give me one of those day spots. Um, I mean, some of the best memories I have of, like, my professional career were from, right. from those days at, right. the, at the rig. So you meet incredible people. You learn a ton. Like, you you underestimate how much you learn when you're out in the field um or it's easy to there's so. always good one-liners too you know what i mean whenever I mean, you go in the field you all there's always that good one-liner like oh my god who, who, <laughs> how'd you come up with that you know what i mean i'm using that it took me a while to 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 revert a little bit in terms of my vocabulary coming back from the field and <laughs> i would end up saying things with my friends and they're just like where in the hell did you get that I mean, it's just very oh man the rig yeah it's uh they just didn't know so, so you, so you did drilling Great for time. So I spent a lot of time in drilling. So three of those six years, probably the last three years or so of it, I had been requesting to move to reservoir. I, I knew that was the next step that I wanted to go to. Why is that? <clears throat> I just think long-term, um, better aligned with what I would see myself doing and, and kind of the, the, I thought drilling was, there's probably no more fun of a job that you can have. I think, right. at least that I've ever had. Than, than drilling wells and the people are fantastic and there's obviously a lot of extracurriculars to to uh, take part in but i knew that to me i felt like okay i, I need to move on to the next thing and just because because there's just somewhere i wanted to be professionally and so so you're, you're you're thinking reservoir versus completions or uh production and, and so, but what pivot you so usually i mean people go to completions like oh i kind of want to learn that's that side of the yeah. business i want to learn this side of the business you want to learn this side of the business but what was the i guess what was the goal when you yeah. just started thinking about kind of i want to transition into reservoir where were you at mentally? I, I wanted to see big picture okay and i felt like to do that i would need to get on the side of of the our leadership really who who mostly stem from the reservoir development planning but that's a good way to look at things you, if, if you're looking at how to you know propel your career and look this is kind of where i want to be just like when you're selling home theaters you know what i mean like okay these people are doing this and this is their background oil and gas you know the the people that i look up to in in, in my organization their backgrounds are this this and this so I'm, i kind of want to learn that so i i kind of i do like that the fact that you're 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 vision and your future is not so short term like oh, i just need to do this in the next two years you're actually looking lo a lot longer down yeah, the road and, and that may have been what uh you know inhibited my my move so to speak like they it's not that common that you take someone from drilling and then stick them right in reservoir and i right. understand that that was maybe a tall order but i i didn't want to i don't want to say waste time i didn't want to turn a little you know, stint in completions and or production into a six, two, year. three, four, five year kind of deal. Right. Like I had already been in, you know, I, I was told numerous times that, okay, we've got this other role for you. And then inevitably we reorg, <clears throat> you get a new boss, 
and then you got to reprove yourself. Yeah. And well, it takes a year to do that because you got to get through a rating cycle. And pending the boss, I mean, the boss might not want you and doing that. that. Exactly right. And, and that actually, that actually did occur, I think, in, in one spot. So it was. You know what I've seen about this, and uh, obviously, I don't think you want to go down that road too much, but I have seen this too. Like you know, obviously during during the the pandemic, during COVID, you know, people getting let go, uh, whether you know they're a good engineer or a, a subpar, whatever it is, does I don't think it mattered who you were. You know what I mean? A lot of people I saw that could not find that had more difficulty finding work are people that whose whose management or boss or whatever you want to call that were not promoting them. You know what I mean? Where they would kind of micromanage, where they wouldn't let them make a decision that wouldn't empower their employees and all that stuff. And that really kind of screwed them on their in their job search. Yeah, I I don't know what year this was. Maybe seventeen. I almost left Oxy years ago. Actually, had offer in hand to move to Austin. Uh, it it didn't make as much sense at the time, just considering um, the the delta and compensation, and then just the fact that we would have to uproot ourselves and move right. to Austin. You know, we're both really close to our families here in, in Houston and, and Katy. Plus, it helps when you have two two children. And then now, of course, yeah, yeah, you know, I, we didn't have kids at the time, but now it's significantly easier to, oh, to yeah. be here near my my parents who are five minutes away and, and my in laws who are thirty minutes away. But, uh, yeah, so I was, I was in a pretty dark pr- place, I think professionally, uh, you know, I take my, my job very seriously. So it, you know, it stressed me out yeah. uh, a lot and having, having a boss who said, you know what, that's, that's great. You want to go to reservoir, but I don't, I don't see that in you. Like, I think, I think you should be drilling for another two, three years. That's, and you've been, you, at this and point, at this point I'd already been, you know, he was probably the second or third boss who I'd asked. So what is it? What is it? He doesn't want to train up anyone new. I mean, because I saw when I was working on, I don't, I don't, you don't know, it was just one of those things. I don't particularly want to go down that route. We don't have to. Much, we don't have to. It was just, <clears throat> it just didn't seem like it was, frustrating. it was in his vision for me to, to grow in the direction that I wanted. So that's when I started looking elsewhere. Um, and I guess I got on that track just when you were talking about the, some of the micromanagement and things, you yeah. know, different people need different levels of supervision. I feel like I thrive if I'm just let go and you know i i feel like i have the discipline and the you know you can give me the boundaries but i feel like i know how i work do my thing. And, and you know and i'll i'll get the job done like that's what i'm getting paid to do i understand that yeah don't tell me how to do it i'm gonna get it done right but just don't get off my back right so we so the next couple of bosses i had or supervisors i had in drilling were phenomenal and those are the guys who let me work they you know, reap the rewards in terms of some of the results that we were generating because we were on fire after that point. After, okay. You know, it takes it takes something to catalyze that that change. You know, because I wasn't the only one feeling that way, and we lost a few people actually around that era. Really? Okay. But um, we got some new management in, and it was just like 180 degrees. We had a mental shift as a team. We were closer together. We were hitting better milestones, and like to this day, obviously that drilling group has been doing phenomenally well. And so it's all about management. Um, it really is. And, and the culture of the team, I, I think it made a huge impact and you can literally see it on our, on our numbers, like in our performance. Uh, anyway, so long story short, was able to prove myself up again, you know, after I, I started to feel better about, about just myself and my place there right. and, um, and doing so then, then, you know, uh, Kind of in that in that period, I started studying for the GMAT because I knew like, okay, if Oxy's not going to give me the opportunity, I'm going to go find my own. Started studying for the GMAT, um, and it was almost it, it was serendipitous. It was, it was almost too coincidental to be 
to to be uh, I don't know like it didn't like they weren't connected in some way. But so I, I got into rice when I got my reservoir job, like the same week, the exact same. So wait a minute, when, when did you get into rice? That was uh, early nineteen, I guess. So, late late eighteen. I started in nineteen. Okay, okay, and, and that's when you got your reservoir. Because I remember when you got your reservoir job, you were very you were very excited, and then. And then something happened, like, I think during COVID, I remember talking on the phone a lot. You're like, I'm really, really enjoying this. I had the best job ever. So I started in a reservoir doing uh, asset management, like, our, you know, field surveillance right. and working for an incredible group of people. That was fairly short-lived because we reorged again. That's just this perpetual reorg, perpetual reorg. phenomenon, but reorged. And then I moved to the, to the group that I really wanted to go to, which is actually the group that I had been asking to go to from drilling like okay. straight out. But okay. That, that wasn't going to happen. I knew that was, was, uh, a pie in the sky. Yeah, very much so. But the role I'd been looking for was more uh, commercial leaning. It was more of a kind of a BD type role, which is what I, what I did until, until I left. So that was, that was the role. And, and it was, I think it was so, um, something I learned, I think in that role, is that the same title can be, you know, to different people can be any different number of responsibilities, right? Depending what you, on what do you mean by that? So the team I was on was called inventory growth. Okay. <clears throat> but depending on the state of the industry, the responsibilities associated with that role can be entirely different from the person who was in it before me or a few years ago in that role before, you know, before them. So externally that role changes. Yes. Okay. Just given the, What's happening the, in the, the nature of the industry, the nature of the business okay. itself, right? So, like, what was going on with Inoxy? Uh, but you know, I, I we I, I moved into that group late 2019, August 2019. We closed the Oxy and Darko deal, so there was just an unbelievable amount of opportunity and work and uh, latitude to become creative and to really get a lot of things done. Okay, uh, from a from a capital standpoint, we were restricted obviously because we just spent so much money on. On Anadarko, maybe I shouldn't say so much money, but we spent, right. you know, we just acquired Anadarko and, and then, you know, the, the subsequent fallout of the industry with COVID and everything going on in Saudi uh, obviously played significant role in the financial state of our business. Right. So we had to be as creative as possible to find outside capital and do all these kind of different things, which wasn't, you know, wasn't on that job description a year ago right or, or two years ago or whatever so i think i was in the right job at the right time to get some really really good exposure um and you were and crushing then, it too man it was going it was going really well and i had an awesome team phenomenal boss um a lot of face time with with management which was great yeah that's what i always wanted was just kind of to have a seat at the table or, or at least be in the room some exposure right? i and not even personal not not so much personal exposure i just wanted to know how decisions were made okay and i felt like in drilling, I felt like at morning call, we would, you know, we'd get off the call and we'd sit there with, you know, our, our breakfast and our Chick-fil-A and everything. And then we'd talk about, okay, guys, this is new for management. Uh, so-and-so rig, instead of going to this pad, you're going to go to this pad. Instead of drilling two wells, you're going to drill three instead of whatever, whatever. And so you're wondering, and like, you're just like, God, I just worked up this whole plan. Like, Who made these this decisions? Yeah, why? How and why was it made? Like, we just never had any insight to, to the, the decision story, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like what happened? So. I wanted to be aware and and uh, eventually take part in those decisions. Okay, and that's why I felt like Reservoir was was the right move. Okay, um, so then fast forward some more, 
Uh, I know this is dragging on. I apologize. It's actually but, not dragging. This is this the point. This is the conversation. <clears throat> you know what? There's no boring parts of these conversations. All right, because this is interesting. Because right now, I mean, we're we're about to get in the point where you're actually shifting, not industries, but you're kind of shifting your role big time. When you were happy, content, and crushing in your previous role, at the same time getting an MBA, and I want to find out the the reasons behind MBA and would you yeah. advise people get an MBA? So. This, there, this is this is good stuff. Trust me. Okay, I'll tell you when it's bad. The, uh, How about that? Okay. So the the MBA, like I said, was was something that stemmed from my inability to leave the drilling group. Okay. At the time, I, I just felt like if I had to take it in my own hands to to expose myself to something new, I felt like I had plateaued. You know, when you you drill wells for three, four, five years. You know what you're doing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it was, copy paste. It's the same area. We're yeah. doing the same thing. It felt very much copy paste. Yeah. So I was looking for something else um, and I found, you know, I, I didn't know at the time, but I, I really enjoy learning. I've been in somewhat of a, a learning uh, cycle, I guess, over the last probably three, four years from studying for the GMAT and then going to school for the last two years, which is, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, and then the new role all happened at the same time, you know, getting into reservoir was, was new. Uh, becoming a father was obviously new. Yeah. So balancing that on the, on the, on the home front. And then uh, finishing school and then going into banking, which is totally new and, and incredibly, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like a very daunting move to make because Oxy was home. Oxy was safe. Oxy you were with a good group. I was with my good group. My, my brother still works there. I followed him over there. You know, I, I kind of always tried to follow in his, his footsteps. So, And you're also in the group that you, that you wanted to be in. Right. I was in the group that I wanted to be in. But, but I knew, like, so... What I, what I was doing within Oxy before I left, I felt like the group that I was in was about as close in that direction of, uh, of you know, transactional uh, deal-making, business development, things like of that nature. And I knew if I wanted to improve in that, in that skill set, I think banking is the premier platform to do it, you know, because that's literally the name of the game. That's what you're, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So... I felt, okay, if I'm, if I'm serious about this and if I really enjoy it, then I need to go somewhere where that is the job. When did this itch start happening? Like, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is how long from when you kind of, when you, so you're actually finally in the group, you actually, y'all are crushing it. You're crushing it personally in this group. You know what I mean? Um, you, you, when did this itch happen thinking, okay, well, I, I need to, I need to go further down the road. I need to, I need to, I need to go check out where the grass is greener. Yeah. It's, it's, um. I guess deep down when I thought, when I think about what experiences I need to potentially do something different in the future in terms of just either, you know, you and I both know a lot of people who have become executives in some of these smaller companies, maybe taking more of an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. risk uh, or a leap or, or really any, I mean, I think I almost see banking as like MBA 2.0. I, I feel like it's the next it's almost an extension of, of what I was doing before, because it's not only is it more, it's more technical than what I was doing before. Um, but it's actually so much more business oriented and finance. And you love that stuff. Yeah. I I really enjoy it. And it's something that I I didn't know I had that much of a passion for prior to school, but, but, um, taking those classes and, and, uh, getting that exposure at rice was, you know, that, that helped scratch that itch a little bit, but, but really it only created 
kind of a bigger void that, that I wanted to go seek. So talk to me about the transition void. And actually, I want to hear what actually you do. I mean, a lot of people here banking out there that are listening or sitting next to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we kind of have an idea, but we don't. All right. So let's talk about kind of uh, your process on actually saying, hey, look, it's time for me to move on and actually finding that next role. And also, yeah. and then let's get into that. So I was, I was very fortunate. Uh, a very good friend, an actual college roommate of mine reached out. Uh, who had just moved over to city and, and I feel like I need to make one of those disclaimers like you know I don't I don't know exactly how to go but something to the extent of uh well, the, all, all opinions all are, opinions are my, are my own, own and, and like a, city look we're not going to talk we're not going to talk about this. that's the thing though people come on the show they're like oh don't talk about my work you know I can't IR and I was I'm like I don't talk about your company right. but these look if 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 anyone out there is listening right now this is just Richard and I talking yeah. in his house just shooting the shit that's it this isn't about this isn't a representation on city or oxy or whoever so so thank we, you a friend reached out and said that he was staffing up over at city they're looking for some people uh so within that and mind you he he reached out to me on the the morning of our of our second son's birth right so we were, we were in the hospital he sent me a text uh, i don't even know if i responded to it and then very shortly after you know Kind of one thing led to another, and then I'm interviewing and, and have that job and, and making the move. So, um, it I, I wasn't sure about it at the time, just because there are some um, I don't know, maybe I don't want to say negative connotations, but there are just some some affiliations that people might have with banking in terms of what what it does to your your work life and and those kind of things. Right. But, but um, I mean, uh, the new team I work with, it's like. I don't want to say that there's there's no diversity in, in, in thought or anything, but there are people who are very much on the same level as me in terms of our passions and motivations and things. Like we're all aligned in that sense. Right. Um, definitely still a diverse group that we have. But uh, so that that was, you know, I guess that was February of this year and then finally made the move in June uh, into Bay. Okay. So in terms of, you know, you ask what it is we do, I, I think – the most simple kind of layman's way of putting it, which I think is actually a, a, a pretty representative analogy would be to say that we are, we're like real estate agents. So if we're representing a client buy side or sell side, so say you, you want to go buy a house, we will represent you going to evaluate the, the house. Okay. Right? So we'll put evaluation on the house and we'll, we have a whole group of people who are going to check out, you know, the title basically do the inspection, right? right like right. we're going to, we're going to make through it's, Make sure it's bulletproof okay. and then we're going to help you transact on that deal. So whether it's the sell side or the buy side, we, we help, we represent our clients in that way in terms of transacting on either asset deals, A&D deals or blown M&A. So do clients go to y'all? Um, yeah, they either come to us. I mean, we do have quite a reputation, especially since closing the, uh, the Oxy and Adarco deal. That was pretty much a, a kind of a flagship deal across the energy industry in the last yeah. decade. but. Um, they come to us and then we also go pitch, you know, part of the job is what do we think would be I'll bet you a creative. That. Yeah. It's awesome because it's, you're, you're just, you're looking at a map and you're understanding, okay, what's going on now. I'm not looking through the lens of oxy. Now I'm looking through the basin or the lower 48 and I'm looking at like, okay, what, what would make sense if you combine this with this or this with this, like how much better is it to do either one of these different combinations and what does it look like? And then kind of taking that further steps, like working with our, our finance crew and, and understanding 
what difference does that make in terms of you know the the pro forma earnings on an entity like this? Like it's really interesting to learn. I could I, I would assume you be that's that's that's, that's your cool. bread and butter yeah, right it's, there. It's really fun, and then it's still as I said, it's still technical. Um, the people I work with, there are there are people who want to teach and and kind of show you the way, and there's so much to learn from them. But also, uh, I feel like you probably bring a lot to the table too because your background, because you have worked at a, an operator. I think my background is pretty unique, coming from uh, having spent so much time in operations. Yeah, a lot of the people I work with on the technical side are, are majority uh, reservoir focused, kind of through and through. So I have been able to help support on some of the the DNC background and, and different things like that. Um, and then obviously there's a there's a flavor of oxy in most of the recommendations I make just because of how how much time I spent there. But it's your roots. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, it, it's it's been phenomenal, and and again, the people I work with are are great, and uh, it fits. You know, I, I think I think business school was the perfect segue to getting into banking because it helped accustom me to the the demands and the lifestyle, like in terms of just the the work, the work load, commitment, and, right? And, you know, having the laptop open at nights and working on a project or something on weekends, so, things like that. I feel like a lot of people pursue their, their, their MBA or their master's or something like that, just because like, well, Bob, I just got to let, you know, let go. I might as well do that. Or, uh, I just feel like doing this cause everyone else has it and all that stuff. But you actually did it because it was a targeted approach. Look, I want to get into this. This is kind of the field that I want to get into. So your MBA, you actually utilize that to catapult you into these opportunities. <clears throat> well, or, yes. Uh, I'll qualify that by saying originally it was to, to, leverage those skills within oxy right okay because i i had moved into reservoir so all of that was clicking at the same time it's just uh fortuitously it, it happened to be what also helped bring me to the to the next role so it i would have been happy you know i had the had the new opportunity not presented itself the nba i think would have been equally valuable within oxy it's just you know it i think it helped uh was helped outside but it also helped for many different reasons personal reasons it was just something i wanted i'd always thought about doing um Again, having been in drilling for so long, I felt like it had been a long time since I had accomplished something to be proud of, like something big like that. Right. So um, I just wanted to see if I could do it. What was your uh, celebration after uh, graduating your MBA? What was your personal uh, carrot that you were dangling? Um, different thing. I, you know, I, I, uh, I may have bought one of my carrots a little early to, to graduation. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of different things. You know, we don't, we obviously don't travel as much as we used to uh, or at all, really, uh, since having the kids yeah. and, and with school and then parlaying school straight into, into this new job. I mean, there was some time there at the end, which was uh, kind of nice just to reconnect with my wife and kind of see her on the evenings and, and go to some dinners and things like that. But uh, never did a, a real full blown celebration. I mean, honestly, we just spent time with family and seeing with some friends and stuff. So, so you, it, it's, it's fun talking to you because like literally every time we talk, there's always this huge change in your life. There's a pivot in your life, whether it's, you know, you start, you start a new role, you start going, getting your MBA, you have, you know, a child then have another child, then you moving, then you start in this. How do you handle and deal with all the, this, this much life changes? Another cup? No, that's how I handle it. What just drink, drink, just, just, I, drink. I just don't sleep. You don't sleep. Just no, that's it. I don't no, but how do you, I mean, how do you process all this change? I mean, this is this, cause there's a lot happening here. I think like anything, I, just one step at a time. I mean, I, I, I forget that quote. It's like, 
had eaten elephant, right? One bite at a time. Yeah. Thing. It, it's, um, I think it's just knowing that, okay, this is not just what I want. This is what we want as a family, right? Like right. It, whether it's growing the family or whether it's moving or whether it's whatever it is, but um, understanding that I play only one part in like our family goals, right? So I need to understand that my, my uh, energy is spent towards things that, that Julie also wants and that's right for the kids because, you know, she's obviously obviously has her hands full with, with them. So, um, it's almost like I just, it's not really finding the energy. It's almost just like non-negotiable. Just moving, moving towards the common goal. Yeah. I mean, I, like I know there are certain things that I feel like I can be very disciplined about and, and I don't even need to, to try like, um, for example, exercising, working out, like I'll do it every single day and I'll do it with the same, I'll put the same priority on that as I would brushing my teeth. Okay. It's just non-negotiable. I'm yeah. going to do it every single day. Um, I knew that going to school and, you know, that, that, that check you have to write, you know, now you got some scene in the game, so you better make it worth it. Yeah. Right. It's something like that, which kind of makes things, uh, real, uh, move into, move into banking now. Um, having a friend stick his neck out for me, like I'm not going to let him down. So I know if, if nothing else, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm going to do my best regardless, but, um, uh, something like that, like having someone vouch for me, I'm, I'm not going to let them down. That's one couple of those things that, that I know were important. Uh, Julie didn't, Julie didn't spend the last three years watching the kids by herself. Not, not entirely, but you know, well, yeah, I mean, handling the, the majority of the lift, she didn't handle that so that I can just not do anything. with it. Right. You know, I, we, we had a very concerted decision and discussion at the beginning around what are we going to do with this? And, and, uh, and I knew, and, and we both knew that to do this, like we're going to have to, we're both going to sacrifice, but we're going to make it work. Yeah. You know, I like so. that. So, so it was, a, it was a common agreement and a common, very much. Common so. decision. It has to be. I like I that. Yeah. You know, we, we've been together for, for it'll be 16 years. God. Uh, and, and we're 31. So, wow. Um, been together a long time, you know, half our lives been together since, yeah. since high school when we met. Um, so we don't, we don't take any of these big decisions lightly. And, um, that's just one of those things that we just need to keep that at the forefront that, you know, all of this stuff is great, but we're not doing it at the expense of our family life and all that. Yeah. So, um, we just need to, something that I've learned from, you know, especially learning from some of my coworkers now in, in banking, I'm just walking around the halls and asking once you get to know each other, you know, how do you, how do you kind of keep things going? Because I, I know it can be tough and just kind of getting some pointers from different people has always been helpful. What is the, uh, what is the banking wor world like? I mean, for those outside, for, for, I guess, an insider looking out, what, what, what's it like once you went over there? I mean, the, the stereotype is real about uh, how many hours you might work. Really? Um, deadlines are fast. Okay. Um, because, you know, when, when the, yeah, there are deadlines and there are, there are clients who need certain things yep. and, and, and just you're, like you're, working, you're working to close a deal, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't close a deal, you're not getting paid. So right. um, it's all hands on deck all the time. Uh, but I like that pace. I actually feel like that's more my speed. That's something that I, I felt like I was missing. Uh, we don't have, you know, the, the stories that you hear about just like your stereotypical recurring meetings or like a meeting, talk about meetings like that is nowhere to be found around us. I mean, You're it, lucky it, on it that is, aspect. It is very much, everyone is pulling in the same direction. 
Um, meetings are a waste of time. Hey, look, we, let's get it, this done. It, yeah. It's, if you're having a meeting, it's a serious, it's a serious thing because otherwise like your head's down, you're working, like we're all trying to get to this common goal. And, um, that's what I like is that I feel like we're very, we're very much in motion, uh, to get things done. It's not as much deliberation around things. So chances are, I guess, kind of, I guess with the, the, the oil and gas energy industry, I guess where we're at today and also chances are, I guess, like, it's going to be, I, I would assume, and this is obviously probably a stupid assumption. I would assume that uh, the banking uh, and the finance bros and all that stuff, the industry changes pretty much is probably reflective on the oil and gas industry. You know what I mean? So the oil and gas industry is having a tough time. And, and I, I may be way off base with this because I just don't know. And that's okay. I just don't know a lot of things. Yeah, so I'm fine, fine with that. No, that's fine. You know, don't ask my I, wife I do want to say, I do want to say, you know, when, when you mentioned finance bros, there's, we have a lot of women in the shop as well, just to, just so that you Touché. Know, it is a okay. I dig that. Yeah. I dig that. I, I'm all about diversity. Very much. Uh, very but the much. term finance bro gets tossed out. I think it's from Instagram. I it think does. it's from the, no, the, it was the Wall Street yeah, I mean, there's the a Midtown lot of, uniform. A lot of media and Hollywood perpetration around, uh, you know, just kind of your stereotypical. And plus, there's, a, there's a funny TikToker that does does a finance bro thing. So right. that's going to work. So, yeah. So, finance people. Yeah. I like that. <clears throat> okay. Finance peeps. Yeah. Okay. So is it, is it, does it kind of go alongside of like the, I guess the was it optimism? Not, not so much. And that was, that's actually another reason why I felt like it made sense for me in terms of I'm, I'm disconnecting from, I'm not, my job security doesn't feel tied to WTI anymore. Okay. So, you know, at Oxy, when we, or, or compensation or any, any of those things. So at Oxy, when, or just in general, that's I'll, every, I'll just I say think the, that's industry, the industry right there when, you know, 2020 hit, Prices inverted. Obviously, everyone was scrambling. No one yeah. knew what was going on. No one knew the longevity of this kind of yeah. issue that we were in. So we were all in fear for our jobs. A lot of people lost their jobs. Fortunately, I, I really like the way that, that Oxy handled it in terms of I would rather, I think it made more sense for the company to take a pay cut across the board and then save our headcount, not throw people out into a market where there are literally no nothing, jobs. Nothing. Versus keeping everyone whole and on their, not everyone keeping 70% of the people whole and then letting 30% of the people go or, you know, whatever that math would be. Right. I, I really respect the, uh, Vicky, our CEO there. I think she's done a phenomenal job for Oxy in terms of uh, caring for the people. She's truly, uh, and that's, she, she's truly a, a person of her word in terms of caring for the employees. And I think I actually see, similarities as I look across to city because we have our first uh, female CEO on wall street, Jane Frazier. Uh, and she is very much progressive and uh, people oriented in that same way. And it, it almost seems like a very easy transition for me just because our leadership is very similar in thought. So that's, I mean, that's probably a good transition too. It's awesome. No, it's, it's great. And you always hear great things about, you know, I don't know much about Vicky, but you always hear it whenever there's always great things to be said about her. You know what I mean? Like she keeps her word. She does things. I mean, she's not afraid to buck the system. I mean, she's, she's, you know, she, she makes decisions. She's, she has conviction. She sticks with right. it. You know what right. I mean? Like you always hear positive things Extremely about her. Extremely down to earth. I mean, I remember we had lunch together when I was an intern there and she was just, uh, I said, just, she was the general manager of our, our uh, EOR business yeah. at the time. And we had lunch together and, and just like talking to, to, you know, between you and I, I mean, you could have her on the podcast and she's just extremely down to earth and humble. And then lo and behold, you know, three, four or five years later, she's CEO of the company and you could still 
run across her. She'll still remember your name. Have that conversation. Yeah. No, she's great. That's awesome. So, so let's, let's, let's kind of get into, to another passion project of yours that you, something you've been involved in for several years, several years now, which is the spindle top uh, charities, right? Right. So, uh, I guess talk to me about the, first off, talk to me about the charity and kind of talk to me about your, uh, uh, role and involvement in that and kind of, uh, yeah, let's start off with that. Yeah. So spindle top charities is a Houston based nonprofit. So we've been in Houston for almost 55 years now, maybe, maybe 55, 56 okay. years now. It was started by an executive in the oil, oil patch, you know, in the, I guess in the sixties, 66, I believe as a way to, uh, gather funds from the oil and gas business and, and channel those funds into local, uh, local organizations specifically focused on at risk youth. Okay. So where that has evolved to now is over the years, we've given back over $26 million to local charities. So. A number of different ones. The way we think about it is these are organizations that are not your giant United Way campaigns. These are your after school programs in your in your in your communities, right? These are kind of inner city kids who don't have the resources they need to um not even to thrive, just to be on the level playing field in terms of access to access to educational resources, um, having having the resources at home, like from a personal level to be able to to manage your school, right? I mean, you, you can't can't go to school and learn if things aren't right, right. at the house. Um, it's it's mental health. It's all kinds of different organizations who we focus on that we feel like can make the most of an impact with the funds that we give. So, <clears throat> needless to say, the oil and gas business has been challenged and, yeah. and is going through somewhat of a transition at the moment. And and we welcome that wholeheartedly. I mean, we we are in a in a shift right now in our, within our organization as well. You know, we, if our, our constituency is changing and evolving, then so are we, right? If, right. The, if the business is changing from your stereotypical oil and gas business to maybe more transitional energy or greener, you know, all these different net zero commitments, like right. we are trying to help adapt along with them. Couple that with the consolidation that's been going on across the industry. So the numbers, the number of companies to, to call on or to, to, uh, has been, yeah, to, to receive, uh, donations from has been, cut. have been cutting. Right. So it's by the time they all start consolidating and, and it's not like they're going to write both checks as if they were still two entities like that, that just doesn't happen. So we need to get more creative in terms of our reach. Right. So we're not just oil and gas at this point, we are more, uh, kind of more energy. blanket energy focused. Right. So this can be upstream, midstream, downstream. It could be, some of the different peripheral type businesses who work with oil and gas companies, such as legal banking, for example, uh, this could be anything on the clean energy front. This can be really anything. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not very, um, discriminatory in terms of who will gather these fronts from, but the point is that we can continue to do this so we can give money back to, to these local charities and the way I'll, wrap this part up the way in which we do this is through two main events. We have a, a large, uh, golf tournament, which is typically right on the heels of OTC. That's around like April, May timeframe, large golf tournament. And then we do a big holiday ball in December, uh, right at the beginning of December. And that's just a blast. And, um, I can get into kind of how I got involved there and, and all that kind of I want to hear that. Well. Yeah. So well, real quick, real, 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 
let's 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 take a step let's take a step back because you talked about you know obviously with the, with the oil and gas industry uh, consolidating and, and all this stuff you got to you know branch out find new avenues uh, to to raise uh, funds uh, for that I mean I guess is how are y'all I guess doing that was this kind of one of those things over the last eighteen months you're like hey look things are changing we have to change otherwise we're not going to be around was this kind of a, a like a, a reaction uh, at the at the time of or is it like a long this has been going on for years would, and years it's um. I want to say both almost. I mean, we've we've been proactive in the sense that we've known this was coming. Several years ago, we formed a group called the Emerging Leader Steering Committee. So that is a group almost like a like a YP board. Okay. So it's a group of, of younger professionals within the industry. Uh, we have a really, really amazing group of people. Uh, I always, always like to to spend time with them because they are cherry picked from the management within their respective organizations as i mean you just know that they're tapped in and you I can get see it. it in in their work ethic and and how passionate they are about giving back i mean these people are just incredible uh and and i'm really fortunate to be able to spend time with them because i'll, I'll learn a ton from them and and one of them specifically I, I reached out to quite heavily in making the decision to go back to school so i actually i really appreciate uh, his his time and input on that but <clears throat> No, I mean, we were looking at the industry, understanding that this was coming. I think consolidation was probably the the bigger maybe issue occurring at the front and then kind of seeing more of the the um, the weight being placed on some of these cleaner energy transitional moves. Um, and then just understanding that they they go hand in hand, really. It's it's when when these companies are consolidating and you're looking for additional companies and then at the same time, these these same donors who we're looking at are trying to diversify into different branches of of energy uh, that that's really forcing your hand in terms of where to look. Um, so is, is, this might be a stupid question, but I guess with, you know, with, with Spindletop primarily being historically oil and gas, right. And now you're trying to go out, you know, the renewables and all that stuff. Right. Is that, is that kind of one of those things where it's like a new conversation to have? Like, Hey, look, I know we're historically this, but just like y'all we're transitioning to, to a right. little bit to the renewable side, the green side, whatever you want for, for a local impact. Yeah. It, it won't be, it won't be long before you see the results of this rebranding effort that we're going through. Really? Yeah. Oh, it, it's, something so works. It's, definitely, that. it's definitely in the works. Nice. Because we do know not only, not only from the aspect of, of our, you know, our, our donor base, but also in terms of how we become a little more, uh, attentive with how we spend these dollars. Okay. Uh, want to make sure that we are aligned in, in what we see is needed and, and, you know, and the funds that we raise, we want to make sure that we're as responsible as we can be and that, those dollars are making the most impact, you know, your return on those, those investments from a social perspective and, are, are as high And you're as actually seeing, you, you are actually seeing firsthand, I guess, the, the impacts of what Spindletop does. Absolutely. So that, that was the reason of, of the formation of this, this ELSC emerging leaders steering committee is that we wanted, okay, we, we felt like we needed another prong in our, in our approach to raising these dollars and to making an impact. So what that, the, the way that was done is our group, leads the the volunteerism effort which is new to spindletop so historically we've only been a source of funds mm -hmm. you know pull up capital and then distribute it out to different right. different uh organizations within the community but now we actually set up and and, and it's a it's a win-win honestly because we're giving not only are we giving time and resources to these organizations but we are giving our donors these companies an opportunity to give back to their community as well. So you can almost think of it like a, 
like a concierge service in a way. You know, if, if you work for, let's just say Oxy and you've got, you're trying to put together a team building event or you're trying to put together some kind of outreach community event, we can actually help set up with some of these local charities. You know, what is there a particular passion of yours in terms of kind of what kind of need right, you want to fill right. in the community, community? But secondly, we'll, we're working to get projects done and, and we've been doing that for the last few years now. Almost every month we have a different project going on um, not so much in terms of just one particular company going out, but the, the best part of it really, uh, one of the best parts of it really is that we bring together people from all across the industry. So every event that you go to, you're meeting people from all different companies. The networking is tremendous. It's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, and you meet, you meet people who are like-minded in terms of wanting to give back. You're meet, meeting people who can help you, you know, when you go back to work on Monday and then it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for this service or that yeah. or whatever it is, or, I mean, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal place that make connections. Many of my very good friends were, were those relationships were formed through Spindletop. Some of my most revered mentors I met through Spindletop, right. uh, it, it's had a significant impact on me and, and I'll just back up for one second in terms of actually, actually how I got involved. Uh, I was, I was awarded a, a Houston livestock show and rodeo scholarship coming out of high school. So this is, you know, 08, early 08. And the one of the organizations that Spindletop donates to is the Livestock Show and Rodeo. So right. A scholarship there. So randomly, I was paired with Spindletop Charities. Uh, they were named, they were called Spindletop International at the time. And I was a little bummed out because there were, there were two people from my high school who got the Livestock Show and Rodeo scholarship. Um, the other girl, her donor was... Uh, Bluebell ice cream, oh. Bluebell creameries. Okay. And I was like, this girl's going to get ice cream for the rest of her life. Like, <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, I, who's spindle top? What is this? And then lo and behold, you know, I would have to send my little check-ins with my grades and, and write my, my letters to spindle top. Our director was Constance White, um, just like a walking angel on earth. I mean, she's unbelievable how long she's been with spindle top and how much she's given back to the Houston community. But she... You know, I would tell her, you know, I'm studying petroleum engineering now when I finally trans transitioned. And she's like, well, you know, we're, we're kind of about that. Like, <laughs> you, you might want to come out to one of these events. So she brought me out to a, my first event was a, the Holiday Bowl back in 20, I don't know, 2011, 2012. Okay. And I was hooked at that point. I mean, just looking around the room, my eyes were, you know, as, as big as a golf ball. But uh, looking around the room, seeing, seeing the caliber of people there and the the impact they were making i was it was just like this is what i want to do i'll be a part of this 100 percent. yeah like i'm not leaving it and you know she's gonna have to kick me out so continue nurturing that relationship and went back for multiple events went back to golf tournaments and started volunteering and then started meeting a couple other you know younger professionals that okay that, that volunteered there and we'd start having these lunches these recurring meetings like hey we need to get something together and, and somewhat help that uh, passing of the torch, so to speak, in terms of the these, crew change, these older guys. Yeah. yeah the crew change, yeah, right. I mean, absolutely. Have a lot of these execs rolling off and we're going to need someone to keep the momentum of spill top going. If not from a financial standpoint, then from a, uh, from a uh, Don't worry about that. service standpoint, right. Our ability to, you know, I, I'm not the one cutting checks or I wasn't the right. one uh, cutting those checks, but I can put in the, the sweat equity and try to try to help 
in, in any way possible as well. And we can try to. So this is a personal motivate, like, Hey, we got to do something like we're not being guided, but let's without, without the, without being told the direction, let's, let's plan the direction. Yeah. And, And to this day, you know, it's still to me like a, a means of paying it forward because Spindletop gave to me and it's important for me to try to give it back. So how can people get involved in Spindletop and, and in what ways? I mean, because it sounds like Spindletop is like, you know, obviously you're raising funds, you're, you're, you're doing all this. But how could the individual, uh, I guess, start uh, finding out more or helping out a little bit? So so two different ways. I mean, obviously, the two, two main ways of, of uh, getting involved would be one would be attending our events, okay. so whether that be the golf tournament or the or the holiday ball. Um, the golf tournament, we just had our, our first annual, well, we've been doing the golf tournament for years, but we just had our first event at the Memorial Park Golf Course. Nice. So it was an incredible event, right? They re- right yeah, since they were done it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's really top notch. Um, and it's a pretty highly coveted event, you know, so it, it's, a, it's a treat. To oh, yeah. yeah. I, I remember, kind of random anecdote, I remember when I had started at Oxy, I was... My, my new mentor, this was like my first day on the job, mentor was showing me around. He walked me into the, the drilling manager's office, you know, shook his hand and said, hi, trying to look for anything. Was it to Sari? No, no, right, no, he wouldn't have done this. Good. No. Uh, so started. Are you uh, trying to look for something? I'm looking like, around his office. I'm like, okay, where's some similar the guy's stuff? a little dry. Like maybe I can find something around here to connect on. That's a sales move, by the way. And I, I see a spindle top. Uh, golf tournament picture, you know, the four guys standing up yeah. behind the drivers. I see a picture there. And I'm like, perfect. Like this guy, like I got him. Got this him. Great. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, so you've, you've played in the spindle top tournament. And it was just the most nasty response. He's like, how the hell do you know about spindle top? Or like, why do you know about that? And I was like, oh, well, I've, <laughs> See, I was like, I've played in that tournament like the last three years or so. And he's like, who would invite you to that? I mean, it was just a, it backfired. You're like, never mind. Yeah. I'm like, all right, man, I'll, I'll be down here. <laughs> never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that, that, that blew up in my face, but, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, it's just, a, that's a good story though about it was, that. It was kind of funny, but yeah, I guess you were asking about how people get, get involved, get involved yeah. with Spindletop. So we have probably the easiest way would be to follow us on social media. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Instagram. Gotcha. Constantly posting about some of the different things we're doing. Uh, our website, the best place, of course, that's where you find upcoming events. So next weekend we're doing a, a volunteer day. We're, we're re- redoing the, uh, basically remulching, relandscaping around small steps nurturing center, which is a really, really awesome, uh, program, uh, like a school, I guess, for, for, uh, lower income. I love the whole volunteering aspect too, man. I think that's that's such an added step. It's awesome. I I dig that. Yeah. It's really fun. I mean, a a few weeks, a week, a few weeks ago, or or maybe a couple months ago, we went and uh, did some, some painting over at Bo's place. It's another organization, like a bereavement center. And I'm sitting there with someone who's, you know, further along in their career than mine. and, And we're just sitting there working on a project, like basically an arts and craft project together. But I mean, that the intel I'm getting <laughs> and like the advice I'm getting from someone who's, who's been down the road and, you know, this person had just 
sold one of his companies. I'm like, God, this is money. Like, I, no, couldn't, just make it I ours. couldn't get this anywhere. Yeah. And it's just, you're enriching some your of those, professional career. You're enriching those, your personal, uh, your, your tank and then you're yeah. getting this mentorship. Or, or we go to these other ones where, you know, you just, you meet people who wind up being some of your best friends. You yeah. Know, that, that happens all the time. Um, so we have, like I said, we have, uh, we have small steps coming up. We're doing a, a planting out in Brookwood community. We've given a lot of, actually okay. one of the, the largest greenhouse at Brookwood community is called the Spindletop, uh, Spindletop greenhouse. So we go out there regularly to That's to in Brookshire, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little further West than here. Uh, I like being able to say that something's West of me. <laughs> Nothing typically is, but, uh, a little further West of here, we go out and volunteer with those citizens. Nice. And that's always a great, great time. And then a couple other events as we lead up to our, our flagship, which is called Unity and Community. That's that's our big event every year where we'll bring out, you know, 100 plus volunteers. And it's pre-COVID, it was, you know, you would you'd link up and then everyone kind of disbands to multiple charities across Houston. You do your project, we come back and it's just like a full blown dinner, happy hour kind of thing. A lot of good, a lot of good stuff. So since COVID, we took it to, I believe, Carbach Brewery. Okay. So now actually the charities come to us, which is a little easier because it's with COVID, it's tougher to get in front of the kids and different things. Right. So they come to us, we work on projects together. We're all in one place, kind of rotate around and we still have food and drinks going on. That's another good time. So a lot of different things. And then finally the, the holiday ball, uh, if anyone wants to, that's where it's at. Yeah. That's, that's the premier event, uh, to be at around Christmas time in, in the oil and gas space or in just in the energy space or in Houston. In general. What's the date this year? Do you, do you know? I think it's December head? 3rd. Okay. Second or third is that Wednesday. Okay. That week, but, uh, always a great time. A lot of, I think I've been one time and it was a blast. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome, awesome place to go, uh, catch up with friends and, you know, nice silent auction going on. Oh, but there's some it's, cool stuff there yeah, too. Really cool stuff. Well, man, I know that uh, I know that we're coming up on a, a little bit over an hour. I know you got uh, a work day ahead, but man, but first off, I just wanted to thank you for you know opening your home to me and kind of uh, getting on the podcast. And I, I kind of dig how now you're in the now you're in the banking world, but you're also still attached to the oil and gas world. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that's not changed. So your network's here, going to help you there. You're going to be make, meet some new people as well to potentially help other people uh, in the industry. And uh, the fact you're helping out Spindletop so much, and I, I really do like the story how it, it's actually is near and dear to you because it's a, it's, it's personal to you. You know really what I mean? Is. They helped, they helped you in college or uh, get that scholarship. So right. uh, I dig the work that y'all are doing around Houston, the, the Houston community and the, the charities. And honestly, just like, I always like shooting the shit with you. So we're going to, we're going to need to get you to come out and help uh, maybe put some airtime for Spindletop at one of our upcoming events. Dude, don't, don't threaten me with a good time. Absolutely. Okay. I'll tell you what, and the way you can treat me on that is you put a almost thousand degree skillet in that, uh, in, that, that, in that pizza <laughs> oven. You, and you, <laughs> We'll open a nice bottle of wine. You can treat me that way. How about that? Halfway done. Yeah. All I'll right. That. I dig that. That sounds great. Well, you got anything else for us? Any, uh, any uh, words of wisdom or any messages or any uh, outlooks or anything that, uh, that, that, that you want to share with us or a plug? Not, not really. I, um, I just think it's great what you're doing. I, I, I've since COVID become more and more enthralled in just podcasts in general. I think it's been very tough, at least speaking from a personal level, just having a, a pretty uh, hectic schedule trying to find the time for these deep, good conversations. So sometimes if it's not very organic, it's on my own, at least I can plug into someone else's and still feel like which I'm podcast out. you like listening to. If so, you had to rank them. I, so my favorite pod- podcast is uh, Tim Ferriss. Okay. 
Tim Ferriss show. There's another one that's come up, which is not as well known, but it's called, uh, I think it's called the Fort podcast with Chris Powers. It's a guy out of, I think, Fort Worth. Okay. Um, really good business investing real estate okay. podcast. All right. Um, I used to do some Joe Rogan, not as much anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tim Ferriss is probably the one I listen to the most. Tim Ferriss, what, what is, what is, what is that kind of discussion? So he, he is a, it's incredible at the, the caliber of people he brings in the best and brightest across any facet of anything. Okay. Uh, some of the people who I've, who I revere the most, I've been introduced through his show. Um, but he'll bring on guests and the questions that he asks are, you know, there's nothing better than the, the right question. I mean, that's always what makes anything, whether it be, you know, at, so uh, is, it, is, manager, this, is this investment is a career? Is it? Is no, it, it's, it's literally anything. It, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not investment. I mean, the last one I listened to was Chris Bosch and thinking, okay, well, he's just an athlete. Maybe he doesn't have much to say. And then you listen to the guy for an hour and a half and you're like, wow, he's really, yeah, it's okay. incredible. And that's just, that's just the last one. But a lot of the really good ones I listened to, um, Nick Kakonis is a, uh, co-founder of the Linea group restaurant up in Chicago, uh, in a, in a group of restaurants up there and listen to some people talk about their approach to business, something that's outside of oil and gas, I think yeah. is very, uh, refreshing. I think it, it helps stimulate some of that kind of, uh, like lateral innovation. If you hear things that work in different areas, we need sectors. to be doing that. Right yeah. I think we are doing that. I think you're seeing a lot more, uh, change in, uh, evolution of, uh, of, of, of new ideas and new, uh, you know, change in paradigms in our industry. I, I'm seeing that a lot lately. <clears throat> well, I think it's, I think a lot of that stems from having just platforms to be able to put it out online and get people listening to it and yeah. then, you know, help, help, uh, churn those ideas out. So, and also energy crew would be the, Number Energy four, number three. Okay. Actually. Okay. Yeah, I'll take so third. Uh, I'll it'll take third. I'll take right that there. any day. Okay. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. It, 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 you're, <laughs> what do you mean you're kidding? Your, your review might go down after this one, but, uh, no, anyway, no, that, that's probably one I listen to the most, but I just, all are you, all are you say, a podcast or book guy? Podcast hundred percent. Okay. Audio book. I've been trying to get out. So I just downloaded two. So I have to drive to Midland. Yeah. All right. Tomorrow. And then I have to drive back Friday. And I've never made that drive before. I'm going to do it. And I'm really going to try not to do what every person does is post that picture like Midland bound on their Insta story. Yeah. You know, I'm going to try really hard not to do that, but no promises. <laughs> so I downloaded two audiobooks. Um, one is about like, uh, it's uh, the Matthew McConaughey one. Someone uh, suggested that. Green lights. Green lights. Yeah. I've actually. So he's a, I, I, the only reason I know what that is, is through the Tim Ferriss podcast. Really? Yes. I'm so going to check Tim Ferriss out. You, you should listen. To, I'd rather listen to his interview than read his book. But well, pers I, personally, I, got, I mean. I got that Audible thing and I got yeah, like yeah. seven credits. I just don't use, I don't listen to Audible. So, yeah. I, I got mean, like, that one. What, what I got from Matthew McConaughey is that guy can tell a story better than anyone I've heard. He's a good storyteller. Yeah. I mean, just, he tells a story and the the descriptors and like the imagery that he's putting in your head. It's like, you can watch it on your, you know, in your head. It's, it's pretty wild. So everyone has something that you're going to learn from. Yeah. Uh, and I've found that any podcast I listen to on that, you any always, episode I listen you to, always learn podcast, something there's always Tim something that, that I take away from. Okay. It. Yeah. All right, I'll, Whatever reason. I'll I mean, check that out. Another one was, uh, James Dyson, you know, the, the founder of Dyson vacuum. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome episode. I'm just, oh, he's just even, blew his, me away. he's in his own commercials. That's right. Yeah, he is. That's right. But he, 
like what you don't know about him is he started a university and he's training, you know, children in his university to actually come work for him at Dyson, like an engineering school. Like you just learn a lot of things about a lot of people. And, and I think podcast is an awesome way to do it. Just, just like what you're doing right now. Just riffing. Exactly. Riffing on a pod. Two mics and riffing. Yeah. Two, two mics, a headset, riffing on a pod. Exactly. That's what I'm all about. Good. Well, man, I really dig it. I know, uh, I know we got our day. I got to drive, drive, uh, in front of me, but I want to thank you for your time again. I want to thank you for kind of what you're doing, uh, for the, for, you know, Houston, Houston communities. And I'm really excited to watch your kind of career grow. It's, uh, the fact you're able to pivot and uh, get into something, not just because it's like, well, there's nothing in the oil field, but more it's like, this is kind of where I want to go. This is the direction I want to go. I like that. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Now there's, a, there's, you just gotta be clever about who you, how you, how you get up there and how you find these jobs had a couple people ask about how you make those moves and it's 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 a hundred percent who you know in terms of getting anywhere wait a minute say that again it's your network yeah it's your networks that matter it's your connections that matter exactly man if only only there was like a crew if only there was a connection crew out there of connecting people maybe one day we'll think about it maybe one day all right we'll wrap on that after but I'm serious, man. Like, look, I mean, going back to that's a very serious point. And the fact that we're saving this for the last, you know, two minutes of this, I, I feel like if you want opportunity, I feel like if you want your next role, I feel like if you want this, if you want that, like it truly, people say, Oh, it's luck. Oh, it's this, it's that it's, it's, it's who it's your network. It really, really is a lot of people with MBAs who don't have that job they want because because you're not getting out and meeting people and doing those things that you need to do to to get there. So it's all about, and, and putting and, yourself out there. And part of this, the, the connection crew is, man, I, I remember during the, uh, the downturn, uh, there's a lot of operators that call me like, Hey, do you know anyone over at, uh, at, you know, Mercer operator or something like that? I'm like, how do you not like, yeah. you have people from school. Like I've realized that the, the operators networks are so starved. It's that is a muscle we can work at as an industry. So that's kind of the point, the point of starting this as well. I agree. So I think I completely agree with that. It's, it's, it's who, you know, and, and it's not who, you know, Oh, well, I'm going to meet this person to get something to today. You just don't know where a relationship is going to go. No, yeah. It has nothing to do with that. It's just knowing that inevitably it's going to come up at some point where, you know, you're going to need something or someone's going to ask about it. And you're, you're just oh, I know aware. This guy. Yeah. You're I just aware. Person. It's like, I mean, even, even you just mentioning, uh, uh, McConaughey a second ago, it's just, it's like, Oh, well I, I know about that. Being able to chime in on the conversation for whatever reason yeah. is, is going to be helpful. I think so. exactly. So, Right, man, man, I appreciate it. Try to wrap probably four times now and make sure we don't jump down another. I always like, I always like, I always like the, it's, it's kind of like, uh, the, uh, the encores, you know what I mean? Yeah. When they always come back on like the third time, you're like, dude, Just come on. Stop bowing. Yeah, I know. It's already going to take me an hour to get out of here. But anyway, I appreciate it, All man. Right. As usual, I look forward to catching up with you again. And thanks everyone for tuning in to, uh, to energy crew. And, uh, here's a uh, Richard Mercer, reach out to him on LinkedIn, uh, shoot him a note and, uh, check out, uh, uh, spindle top. Um, and, um, just, uh, See what, see what you can do to get involved. All right. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, hey!